Ah, it's so good to worship the Lord together, isn't it? Good. Just checking. Is it? Okay, good. Good, good, good. Ah, well, Merry Christmas. Hope you all had an amazing Christmas. Um, and uh, we did. We had a wonderful time with family and then friends on Boxing Day. Um, but I want to just jump straight into the, to the, nah. Okay, Boxing Day is a Commonwealth, it's a day that the Commonwealth countries celebrate. Um, the origins are slightly unknown, but it's the day after Christmas. And uh, you can why we call it Boxing Day. I, I've found at least three reasons, so, so whatever. We just get to celebrate another day off. That's the most important thing. <laughs> oh, good. So I hope you all had a good time. Yeah, as Patricia mentioned, you know, as we're coming into the new year, one of the things that's really been on our heart is, is worship. Is, you know, the, the, Jesus said when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest is this, that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he says, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And we've just really been feeling stirred this, this, as we're coming into this new year to prioritize worship. I think Duncan, Duncan shared with me on a number of occasions that John Arnott likes to say this. He says, the main thing in our lives is to keep the main thing the main thing. That we get our perspective and our order correct, that we line up with uh, who God is, that uh, all of our lives, all that we have, all that we do, all that we are, actually comes out of this place of alignment with God, which is a place of worship. And so uh, I want us to turn to um, Psalm 96. I'm going to read the whole, the whole passage of uh, Psalm 96. I actually probably could read 95, 97, 98, 99, 100, and 101, but we'll just read 96 and um, go for it from here. Okay. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Or another, my footnote says, worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. 
He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. What a glorious passage of scripture, a great passage of worship. And so I want to talk today about giving glory to the Lord. You know, we know that worship is much more than singing. Jesus said in John 14, he said this, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Our highest act of worship is obedience. Is our proof of our love is our ability to say yes to what he's asking us to do. We know that Therefore, our worship isn't just singing, it's actually much more than that. Paul says in Colossians, he says, do everything unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. And he says that particularly in the context of work. So work, sorry, worship is much broader than just singing, much broader than what we do on a Sunday morning. It encompasses our entire lives. It encompasses what we do with our time, our mouths, our energy, our finances, our our work. Work in itself is worship. What happens on Monday for you if you go to work on Monday morning is as much worship as it is, as, as, as we've just participated in for the last half an hour, 40 minutes. Your work is your worship, Right? Paul says, if we're, if we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, that's what Jesus said. Paul says that we're to do everything unto the Lord, doing it not as lip service, but as giving it unto the Lord. Therefore, everything that we do is worship. But having said that, throughout the entire Bible, there is this dimension, this dynamic of worship corporately together as singing to the Lord. So I want to focus in a little bit on that as we see in this passage of Scripture. But in the context of the bigger picture of our worship, our worship, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Let's let that settle, settle for a minute. Ultimate worship is obedience. But it's not obedience as a blind like duty. It actually comes from a place of delight and desire. Je- Jesus said... In, uh, and it's quoted in one of the Psalms, I believe, or uh, one of the prophets, and it's quoted in Hebrews, and it says, here I am, Lord, I have come to do your will. It's my delight to do your will. But there's this concept of singing that's throughout the Bible. Singing all the way through, right from Revelation, right, right from the very beginning, all the way through to Revelation, there's this thought of singing and of worship together. So we get to the first stanza, the first six verses of this passage, and it says this, Oh, sing to the Lord, all the peoples of the earth. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. There's something dynamic about singing that the Holy Spirit absolutely loves. What is our call? Our call is to sing to the Lord. Not just anything, but to sing worship, to sing a new song. And we'll come back to that in a minute. We're to sing to the Lord. We're to bless his name. We're to sing to the Lord all the earth. We're to tell of his salvation from day to day. We're to to declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. There's a dynamic of when we gather together that there's there's important that we sing and that we worship and that we declare and we tell of the goodness of God. Very, actually, if you look throughout the Bible of singing, it's very rare that people sing on their own. Most of the time that there's this worship that's happening, that's singing, it's corporate. It's a group of people that are singing together. We see singing in 
uh, in heaven itself. We see that God is singing. Zephaniah chapter three, it says that God quiets us with his love. He delights over us with singing. The, 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 the word that is in that, many of you will know this, but it's actually to twirl and to spin and to jump around in heaven. God is singing over us. He's twirling, he's twisting, he's jumping, he's shouting, he's getting all excited. It's not like, oh goody, look at them, they're so lovely. It's like, woohoo! Sing! Woo! He sings much better than that, I'm sure. But all of heaven is reverberating with him singing and worshiping and going for it, giving him honor and praise. God sings over us. Jesus sings. It says in Hebrews chapter two, I think, it says that God, Jesus is in the midst of us. I will tell of your name in amongst my brothers. Jesus is amongst us singing. You know, when we gather together, Jesus is here singing over us. The trees of the field, the forest, they sing, they clap for joy. The rivers clap their hands, the hills sing and rejoice. The people sing, Jesus and his disciples as they're going to the, to, um, as he's about to go to the cross, as they finish the Passover meal before he goes to Gethsemane, they sing a hymn. The four living creatures around the throne that we see in Revelation 4, they're singing. The elders around the throne, the 24 elders, they're singing. The angels, the myriad of angels, they're singing. Uh, all of creation is singing. All the stars, the sun, the moon, the, the, everything that's in the earth, on the earth, in the sky, under the earth. There's a moment it says in Revelation 5 that everything sings and praises God everything is singing singing praise and singing worship singing glory singing the, the, the praises of our beautiful heavenly father our glorious saviour Jesus Christ and even as we see in the Bible singing is not just, it's not just worship uh, it, sorry it, in our worship what it is is, is warfare as well not only is it warfare it's breakthrough not only is it breakthrough, it's prophecy. It's declaration to the people and the nations around us and we're gonna come and have a look at that. So what's our call? Our call is to sing and to sing a new song. I love singing new songs. I love that moment in worship and it happened just now with Chris and Summer leading us where, we, where the worship leaders, they step back from the microphone and we as a congregation, under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, this worship just bubbles up and this new song arises up in our hearts and we start to sing songs, sing a melody, sing words that maybe we've sung before, maybe we've never sung before, but it's an act of worship to heaven. Sing a new song. You know, in those moments for us as a community, it's not a moment to sort of go, oh, I'm gonna just pause. I'm gonna wait. Oh, I hope they hurry up and finish this part so I can sing a new song. So sing the next song, a song that I know. No, it's a moment to press in. It's a moment to worship. It's a moment. It's actually to be biblical. It's to sing a new song to the Lord. Sing a new song. It, you know what? There's a, actually, there was a new song sung in heaven. In Revelation chapter four, we see this. We see that there's for the four living creatures are around the throne and that we're covering their faces with, their, with one set of eyes and they're, and they're flying with another set and they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it says that they're singing that continually. Revelation four. They're singing continually, holy. What does that word holy mean? It means you're set apart. You're not like us, you're other. You are completely different. You are set apart, you are holy. 
But then we see in Revelation chapter 5 where where the father's holding a scroll in his hand and John, we were singing about it today, and John sees and he says that there's nobody found worthy and so he starts to weep because there's nobody there that can take God's purposes and bring them into fulfillment. And the elder says, do not weep, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah has overcome. And what it says next is, and then they sang a new song. All of a sudden the song changed from holy, holy, holy to worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive all power and blessing and dominion and glory for he was slain and by his blood he purchased men and women from every tribe and tongue and nation and made them to be priests and kings before their God. Worship shifted that moment because Jesus, um, the man Jesus, the God God man Jesus, perfectly God, perfectly man, comes into heaven having completed his mission as the lamb that was slain, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, the lamb that was, uh, that was crucified for our behalf, the lamb that has made us right with the Father. And when he comes in, they sing a new song. Worthy is the lamb. I love that. Two of my favorite passages of scripture, Revelation 4 and 5. There's a whole new song in heaven. We're to sing We're to sing to the Lord and we bless his name, tell of all of his salvation. Why? Why do we sing? Well, verse 4 says this, for great is the Lord. Why do we sing? Because God is great and he is greatly to be praised. Not just a little bit of little singing. It's not just that we have the worship time, the singing as a precursor to this part. It's not like we just come and we think, well, it's the kind of thing that we do when we gather together because that's just what we do. No, we worship because God is great. And he's greatly to be praised. His greatness knows no end. He sits enthroned in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. He's good all of the time. His greatness is is his glory. His glory is his goodness. He's great. He's worthy of our praise. We don't sing because we're told to. We sing, we worship because we have a glimpse and a glimmer of the majesty and the glory of God in heaven. We sing because he's to be feared above all gods. We sing because the Lord made the heavens and the earth. We sing because splendor and majesty are before him. We sing because strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. We sing because he's glorious and wonderful. We sing because he's good. We worship because he gave his very best for us, his only son. He did not spare him up for us all, but gave him up. How much more will he not give us along with him all things? We sing because he has given himself, his, his very self to us. And he's worthy of our worship. And I want you just to take a moment to note the connection between worship and evangelism. We see this in verse three, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. We see it in verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. There's this connection where we, as we worship, as we engage with God, as we glimpse how beautiful and how glorious he is, we see him for his worth, we fall deep more and more deeply in love with him and as we do, we actually get to, we, we get motivated to express to others how good he really is. There's a, a phrase, I, I forget where it came from, but it, it, you know, that uh, missions exist because worship doesn't. Because the, the heart of God is that the whole of creation would see his glory and his beauty. 
and would see the matchless worth and through what he's done for us on the cross through Jesus, through his death and resurrection. And so mission is fueled by our worship. It's not just fueled because we get a glimpse of him, but actually as we worship, there's a, there's a powerful dimension of declaration. 1 Chronicles chapter 25, it says that as David was de- de- uh, developing his singers and putting his singers in, in place, uh, there was an, a group of leaders that were there to prophesy through their song and through their instruments. There's a dynamic in the spirit when we're together, when we're worshiping God and we're singing of his praises, that actually there's a dimension that we prophesy and we declare to the, to the region around us, to the triangle region, that God is glorious that God is good, that we're declaring his works, that when we're singing, we're not just singing to God, we're prophesying and declaring to the people of this nation. We're bringing them into, we're teaching them, we're declaring them in the spirit. Obviously they don't hear us because of the walls, but in the spirit what's going forth is a declaration of the power and the majesty of God and who he is. And so our worship actually shifts the atmosphere in our cities. Come on. Let's have a high view of worship. It's not just something that we do to fill the time. It's not just something that the worship leaders do and we get to participate in. No, this is our honor and our desire and our glory, our moment to step in, to declare who good, how good God is and to prophesy to the nations. Come on. So who are we worshiping? Who are we declaring among the nations as we worship? Well, in this Psalm, we see he's salvation. He's glorious. He's working marvelous things among the nations. He's the only true God. He's the creator of all. He's full of splendor and majesty. He's all powerful and strong. He's beautiful. He's the judge who is equitable. He's the judge who is righteous. He's the judge who is faithful. He's the one who reigns over all. He's the one who's coming again. He's the one who's come in the person of Jesus Christ to manifest his righteousness and his justice upon the earth to bring about his salvation. He's the one that's coming again in Jesus Christ to bring us back to him and to bring judgment to all of the earth. He's the glorious one. Sing for joy, all the earth. Let the nations be glad. Let the people of God shout for joy. Come on. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. There's going to be a moment, as we see in Revelation chapter 5, where everything that's in the heavens, in the sky, and on the earth, and in the sea, and under the earth, yes, even the earthworms, are going to be singing his praises. Singing a new song. The song is there recorded for us. If you don't know what new song to sing, sing in the Spirit. If you don't know what new song to sing, sing the name of Jesus. If you don't know what new song to sing, flip over to Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5, join in with the angels, join in with the four living creatures, join in with the elders around the throne, join in with the song of creation. So the second stanza, verse 7, it says, ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. That really just means give. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness or in holy attire. Worship the Lord. Ascribe to him the glory due his name. Let's just take a moment to look at that, uh, the holy attire. We worship in Christ Jesus. We worship through Christ Jesus. Jesus is our perfection. 
Jesus is our purity. Jesus is our righteousness. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of the finished work of his death and his resurrection and now his ascension and his glorification, you and I, as when we put our trust in him, stand before him holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. You are accepted. So how do we worship? We worship in our holy attire. What's our holy attire? Our righteousness of Jesus. The righteousness of Christ in us, upon us, around us. The Bible says that we're in Christ. Christ is in us. We worship from the position of being inside Christ, dressed in our holy attire. We don't have to come groveling in our worship to somehow try and gain God's favor. No, we have access already, the Bible says, through the curtain, which is Jesus' flesh, the, the blood that speaks a better word than Abel, the one that enables us, the word that's washed us clean, that we stand before the Father, holy and blameless. When we come in worship, we don't come groveling, we come as confident sons and daughters based in the holy attire of Jesus Christ. We have access into the throne room. There's no point in waiting around. We don't need to kind of walk through certain steps and gates to try to get there so that why don't we just come straight in? Don't wait. Don't wait for your favorite song. Don't wait for the moment. Just come straight in. It's the invitation from heaven. And so what are we to give? We're to give God all the glory. Well, the word glory in the Hebrew means kabod, is kabod or kavod, and it actually means weight. It's the intrinsic worth and value of God that if you were to take all of God's attributes, all of who he is, his love, his joy, his kindness, his righteousness, his mercy, his power, his holiness, his purity, and you were to weigh it, it would be very, 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 very heavy. When God comes in his glory, it's the weight of his presence. It's the weight of who he is. It's the weight of his value and his intrinsic worth. He is glorious because he is glorious. He doesn't need us to tell him that. He's worthy because he's worthy. He doesn't need us to tell him that. However, there is a dimension of glory in a, in a sense of honor that we as human beings, as the angels and the four living creatures get to give God, which is to see him for who he truly is. In our worship, when we give God glory, the one thing, one of the things, other than you know, our entire lives, of course, but the, one of the things that we give God is the free recognition of who he actually is. When we see him and we worship him and we declare, you're my savior, we're giving glory to God. When we see him and we say, I can do everything through you, we're giving him glory. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says this, through Jesus, through him, through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Every time we acknowledge his name, every time we declare who he is, every time we say, you're my savior, you're my righteousness, every time we say, there's no other name like Jesus, every time we say, you're worthy, every time we say, I see you in other people and they look glorious, every time we acknowledge his name, we're offering a sacrifice of praise from our lips, coming into his courts, worshiping the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The one thing you and I can give him in that moment is our free recognition of who he truly is. Oh Lord, give us eyes to see who you are in your magnificence and your beauty. Give us eyes to see your glory. You know, I was uh, watching Antiques Roadshow last night. I didn't realize you had it in this country. I only ever used to watch it in England and I didn't used to watch it that often because I wasn't that interested. But anyway, I watched it last night 
And um, there was this, you know, it was the highlights reel. And there was this lady that brought in this sort of half circle table. Uh, it was a car dealing table. And, um, and she had bought it 30 years prior. For, um, she'd been around a, a garage sale and uh, had found this table and um, she liked it. So she said to the lady, hey, how much are you selling that? She said, well, $30. And she goes, well, I've only got 25 Oh, you can have it for 25 So she has it, she takes it home, she sits, it, sits with it in her house for 30 years until the Antiques Roadshow comes along. She decides in her area, she decides, look, I'm going to go and just get this thing, have a, have a look at, maybe there's some worth to it. And, uh, and of course, the guys that are there almost fall off their, their chairs salivating and, you know, and, and it's this federal furniture, I don't know what, you know, trust me, I don't know what that is, but it, apparently it's good, made by this really rare, you know, um, maker, and they value it at like $200,000, and it sells for $490,000 at auction. Now, how many of you, you know, if that was me, I think I would have treated the table a little differently after the Antiques Roadshow, right? Beforehand, you know, I might have thrown my keys on it, I might have put a coffee mug on it, I might have, you know, just sort of put some papers on, hidden it, covered it with something, stuck it in a corner, but as soon as I realized that it was $490,000, the value to that, the worth in my mind would go up in its estimation. I would no longer put my coffee cup on it. I would no longer let anyone else touch it. I would put it in a glass cabinet. I would do something, right? Why? Because I suddenly appreciated the worth and the value of that thing that previously I didn't really appreciate. Worship is like that. Worship is the eyes of our hearts, the Lord opening the eyes of our understanding and the more and more that we see of the glory and the majesty of Jesus and the glory and the majesty of the Father, we actually take great worth and value and honor based on the amount of our revelation. So if we have a little love, Jesus says, we love little because we have experienced a little love. But if we've experienced a lot of love, we're gonna love Massive. It's the same thing in our worship. If we've experienced a little bit of who God is, we might just be like, yay, God's good. Can we move on? But when we really fully understand who he is, our value for him shifts and our worth in our worship moves powerfully. And of course, you know, when we come to worship, we're not talking about externals, going to always be careful that we don't make a, a perspective on, you know, they're worshiping because they've got their hands up and they're not because they're sitting down. We don't want to do that. But there is something powerful about when we get a revelation of who God is that we can't help ourselves but to be expressive. Let me come back to that. You know, we run the danger in our context, particularly in our um, our sort of charismatic, we don't like ritual kind of culture, that we actually make worship about us. That we dumb worship down, that we think it's about the song that they're singing and it's my favorite song and I don't like that style, I can't get into it because they're not singing the song that I like. Or, you know, um, somehow I want this worship set to make me feel good so that when I leave here today, I'm going to feel really good about myself. Eh -eh. Worship is not about us, it's for God. It's to God. It's about God. It's the praise that's due his name. He's worthy of our worship, so we come to give him our worship. 
So whether we like the song or not, it doesn't really count. Whether we feel moved by the music or not, it doesn't really count. The issue isn't, does the music move me? The issue is, is God worthy? Is my heart stirred by him? Now, of course, we do want to have good music. It does help to have people that can sing in tune and keep a beat. It does help. Thank you, Jesus, that we have that. We do want to have a diversity of styles so that everybody can connect into the worship. You know? We don't just want to have sing the same songs and sound like a particular church down the road that everybody sounds like nowadays. We don't want to just sound like that. We want to have our own sound. We want to have our own you know, thing about what God's doing. But those are never the goal. The goal is worshipping Jesus, worshipping the Father for all his worth. And as I said, it's not about external actions, but boy, when you see David dancing, when he got a revelation of the goodness of God and the power of God after he was moving the ark and a couple of people, uh, uh, it Uzzah died because he put out his hand to touch the ark. David's perspective of God changed substantially, I think. And when he brought the ark into the, to the, uh, the temple, um, the, the tent that he had made, he was dancing with all of his heart out. And the Bible says there's, you know, there's expressions of worship that are an, an, an external recognition of the internal, sorry, an external manifestation of the internal recognition of the worth and the majesty of God. So we dance because God's dancing. We sing because God's singing. We shout because God's shouting. We bow down in worship. We kneel, which is the word to bless because that's what God is doing to us. We sing, we're quiet, we're still, we be still and we know, we respond to God. There's an outward manifestation. We're not looking for the outward manifestation, but there's something about knowing the worth of something that causes us, once we recognize that, to respond in a different way. Make a joyful noise, come with thanksgiving, worship, kneel. We're a people of praise, catch the fire. We're a people of thanksgiving. We're a people of bowing down before the Lord. We're a people of adoration. We're a people of dancing. We're a people of loud, raucous praise. We're a people of cymbals and drums and banging, not because it's cool, but because it's biblical. And so we want this, this, as we're coming into this new year, we want to focus on our adoration and our worship. And so we want to give God glory as we start in 2020. We're actually, what we're calling for is a 21-day fast from January the 12th to February the 2nd. There'll be an email going out about it this week. But from January the 12th to February the, 20, to February the 2nd, a 21-day fast for us to focus on the majesty and the glory of God. Not fasting because we want to get something, not fasting because we have promises, although we do, but primarily fasting because we want to experience the glory of God and to give him the glory that's due his name. Now I mentioned I know when I mentioned fasting, some of you will be like, I'm not eating, I'm gonna eat for 20 I can't not eat for 21 days. So don't worry about that. When we say fasting, there's a very broad range of things. There'll be some of us here that will want to fast with, uh, no, without eating any food for 21 days, just drink water. If that's you, bless you. Some of us may not be quite interested in that. We might fast a meal a day. We might fast meat. Some of us, if we're comfortable with alcohol, we might fast alcohol. We, we might fast TV. 
We might fast social media. That could, for some of us, that could throw up like six to 10 hours a day. (laughs) We might fast negativity. We're going to fast something. We're not going to fast. Our invitation to you is to fast as a whole family because the Bible says all the peoples, all the families of the earth. So we as a family and you and your families, we want to invite you to take a fast this for the first 20, the, the 21 days from January the 12th to the February the 2nd to abstain from something. We're going to be producing weekly meditations on social media, on Facebook, which is going to be difficult if you're fasting social media. So we'll find another way, some paper copies. <laughs> we'll put a printout in the back. Um, yeah, so we'll be producing those for you, for your meditation and for your, your worship. We also want to invite you, if you're not fasting food, to actually take communion on a daily basis as a family together. Why? Because God's worthy. Because we want to give him the honor that's due his name. We want to give him the glory that's, that he's worth. And our hope is as we do that, we encounter God, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would see him in all his majesty and his beauty, the weight of his glory would come upon us as a people and we would be a worshipping people, a people that just absolutely love his name and can't help but sing. I want to invite the worship team up while I'm doing that. There's this great passage in in Song of Solomon. It says this, at the beginning of the passage of Song of Solomon, the, the lady, the, the, the Shunammite woman, she says to her friends, where's my lover? And they say to her, who is your lover? Why should we care? And she takes a moment to describe who he is. And, at the end, and it's beautiful poetic language about her lover, which for us is our father in heaven. And at the end of that, they're so moved by her description of his goodness that they say, we're going to come and help you find him. And to me... That's what God's moving in us with such a passion and a desire to see how worth he is that we can't help but overflow with his love and goodness to those around us because we've got a glimpse of how perfect and glorious he is. So we're going to finish by worshipping. I've asked the band to come up and lead us again. I want to invite you all to stand. I'd actually like to invite you, if you're game, to come to the front because there's something about being together to worship together in a, in a sense of proximity and togetherness and unity that I want us to, uh, to experience. So you don't have to come to the front. There's no, one of the things that we value in this church is, is freedom. So there's no shoulds, musts, have tos. But if you would like to, please come forward and we're going to worship together. Give him glory. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. And I will give you all Oh.
sing a new song. Worthy one, glorious Jesus. Glorious Jesus. You alone are worthy, you alone are worthy, wise King. My Father, you've captured my heart. Oh, there is nobody like you, Jesus. There is
Okay, so I can see some of us are wanting to kind of break out a little bit and dance. Well done for being biblical, that's good. I'm only joking, it's, you don't have to dance, but you know, as we're gonna dance, as we're gonna play a little faster of a beat like we were just doing, I wanna invite you to dance. One of the reasons why some of us don't like to dance is we can't dance. That's me. Some of, one of the reasons why we don't like to dance is because other people are looking at us. That's not true. They're worshiping Jesus. I don't know who is looking at you. It's heaven. Heaven's looking at you and loving your praises. So if you want to just kind of do a little tear, you can. you. You are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our adoration. You're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our time, our affection, our finances. Everything that we have comes from you, Lord. Uh, You are our righteousness. You're our purity. You're our holiness. You're our power. You're our ability to change. You're our apostle. You're our leader. You're our high priest. You're faithful over the Father's house. You're our mediator. You're interceding for us at the right hand of the Father, Jesus. You're praying for us. You're singing the Father's praises amongst us. You're leading us into glory. You're releasing your spirit amongst us without measure. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Father, we worship you as our creator, as our Lord, the ancient of days, the glorious one, the one who dwells in inapproachable light. You're the glory and the lifter of our heads. Majestic King, the worthy one, the holy one, the one that's not anything like us, but yet you've included us into your very nature and you made us like you. Ah, You're lovely, you're kind, you're beautiful, you're pure, you're majestic. Ah. Let's bless His holy name, church. Take a moment, let's bless His holy name. If you're watching online, bless His holy name. Bless His holy name. Ah, we worship You. We glorify Your holy name, Jesus. Majestic King of all. As we wrap up, I want to just do one thing. 96, Psalm 96 verse 10 says this, say among the nations the Lord reigns. He's coming. He's coming for the nations. 
So I want us to turn to that wall over there, which would be kind of towards Durham. I know Durham's kind of all around us, but over that way. So my left, your right. And I want us to declare this. Our God reigns. He's coming again. And He's coming for you, Durham. I want us to turn and face the front, the stage area. What is that? That's probably Durham and Chapel Hill, somewhere over that way, it's right. Let's say it again. The Lord our God reigns. And He's coming again. And He's coming for you, Durham and Chapel Hill. And we turn to that, towards the cross, that wall. It's probably Morrisville, Cary, Apex, all the other towns, too many to name, but we'll, we'll just declare the Lord our God reigns. And it's coming again. And it's coming for you, peoples. And we'll just turn to the entrance way. And we'll declare again, the Lord our God reigns. And He is coming again. And He is coming for you, people of the earth. Let's raise up a shout. Let's raise up a cheer.